Impact, Income, and Influence. Welcome back to Grow Your Impact, Income, and Influence, the number one show sharing entrepreneur stories with you, helping you reach millions, whether you are trying to reach millions of people or millions of dollars in the bank. Today, I've got Lisa Williams with us, and Lisa is a great friend of mine. She is a financial service manager. I don't know exactly what to call her, a wealth warrior, somebody who helps people manage their money better, get in touch with their finances. Because at the end of the day, if you make a whole bunch of money and you don't have any left, that's not any good. Or if you're struggling to make money, that's not good either. Lisa started her journey as a financial planner in the financial services industry. She's going to correct me because I probably said that wrong, but she left because she wasn't finding fulfillment. She wasn't able to help people actually do better with their money. So Lisa, take us back to where all of this started. I love you, Steve, so much. You're so awesome. Thank you for having me. So it started, let's actually, I'll take you to this uh, little, little room. Picture yourself in a conference room with no windows. It's kind of stuffy. And at this point, I'd been in my corporate executive role for about 23 years. And I had 19 bosses in that time. I accidentally landed in that career. I think like most people do kind of accidentally land. Um, I happened to love it for many, many years. I was in financial services. I will correct you. Um, I've recruited in that industry for decades. So I I was blessed to find people jobs in that industry. Um, And I was called into this meeting to have a... uh, for lack of a better word of a performance review, okay? With my 19th boss. And he proceeded to tell me that the client that I'd been working with for 22 years, um, they were going to give that account to someone else. So it was one of those pivotal moments in my life where God had been, God had been closing some doors very firmly, but he was also opening many other doors. And I kind of just saw this door just like slam shut. I was put on a plan. Um, I I was told to, I needed to start coming to the office, which I had been working remotely for like 20 years at this time. And it was just so clear to me that, that it was time for my next chapter. So I actually was leaving for Alaska the next day to visit my parents. My mom had been suffering with cancer at this point for about uh, three months. And I remember I was in the airport uh, in Seattle and I called my hubby and I said, babe, um, I'm not going to go back. And at that point I decided to go on a leave of absence um, and I ended up never going back. And I think it's interesting because really when I look back now, this was um, two years ago now, I was 49 at the time. I'd been very blessed abundantly financially. I actually could financially retire if I wanted to, um, but I, I know we have a lot more living to do. And I remember thinking, I don't know what you have planned, Lord, but I'm super excited to find out. And I'm very, very scared as well. I realized that a lot of the people that I had been counseling, they would come to me looking for a job and it was they were saying they, they wanted to look for a new opportunity, but I really felt like they were telling me they wanted to be something new. 
And that, that was what it was for me as well. I, I realized that I couldn't remember the last time I learned something new and it was, it was time to go step through this new door. I stepped into the world of entrepreneurship, never dreaming I would ever own my own business. And I just immersed myself. I became a learner and a student. Steve, you're a great example of that. You're, you're one of my mentors. I've learned so much from you and I now help others. Um, my role is a wealth builder. There are so many ways to produce income. And I've found that a lot of solopreneurs and, and quite frankly, you know, anyone that's interested in, in eternal wealth building and legacy building, the traditional ways of investing really don't serve us anymore. So I get to teach people about, about other ways to invest and build wealth. So that's, a, that's just kind of a nutshell. Well, I mean that I was going to say that is a wide over overarching <laughs> bubble, but we're we're going to dive into some pieces of that. So first off, when you went into this meeting, I I've never seen you ever seem bothered by somebody telling you something. So what was your response when they said you have this client that you've had for 20 or 25 years and we're taking we're going to we're going to move them over here? What was your yeah. response to that, like internally? Because I think a lot of people would have been angry or frustrated. And I think you, from our conversation, had a different take on it. Well, yeah. I mean, I realized that, first of all, they were not making choices that necessarily they were in charge of. So I, I was, in some ways, don't kill the messenger, right? Um, because one of the people I actually really respect a lot. The other one, not so much. You know, there were two people in the room. Um, I realized though, this was just, this is what had to happen in order for me to step into the next chapter of my life. Because I would have, I, you know, I, this was my baby. I, I worked with that account for, it, it's by the way, it's one of the largest mutual fund companies in the world. They've been my client for decades, right? And ironically, what's fun, kind of funny about it is when I, when I left my, my corporate career, I, my husband and I started our own recruiting firm. It's one of the businesses that we run because we've both been in recruiting for decades and they're my client again. You know, it's like, it's, you know, it's interesting sometimes um, when you're in an industry for so long, you, you forget that you actually have a PhD in what you do. We've talked about this before, right? Why, why focus on the things that you're not good at um, instead of really sharing with others what you are good at, but just doing it for yourself instead of, instead of someone else, right? So um, I, was, I will, total transparency, I was devastated. I, I actually remember hardly being able to not cry um, but it really quickly shifted to, okay, God, you know, like you really are done with me doing this. You know? <laughs> well, that's, I mean, I think that's kind of the takeaway. Like we have, we all have those pivotal moments where it would have been easier to be angry and upset and throw a pity party or retire or take, you know, a long leave of absence, no job. I mean, you said you were, you were in a financial position that you could do that. But instead, you chose to look at it. I'm sure you were sad. I'm sure in the moment, like we're reactionary, right? But you chose to respond in a way of, okay, 
there's something new and better for me out there. And I'm going to go find out what that is. And that's, I think of like that mindset separates people who are not so successful from ones who are more successful, right? Because we can't always control what happens to us. And there are plenty of people who are happy in a job. Like, I don't think everybody is meant to be an entrepreneur, but I do think sometimes people get pushed around in a job, which leads to them being unhappy, right? I saw that quite a bit in corporate where, but you can choose how you react to it. And entrepreneurs as well. I've seen people, entrepreneurs with super short tempers, fly off the handle, yell and scream at people. And it's like, if you just would have chosen to respond instead of react, it would have been so much better for you. So you chose to respond by going out and starting a business. You started a recruiting business with your husband. You started the wealth building business on your own. So talk to us a little bit about that, because I think that is a super interesting kind of niche because you're not a financial planner. Somebody's not coming to you looking to invest in a 401k or do a rollover. Maybe they are, but they're doing something that's different. Go ahead. Yeah. So I, um, and probably the easiest way to explain it was um, taking you back a little to when I was a single mom. So uh, 18 years ago, I was unexpectedly a single mom. I had a three-month-old and a three-year-old. And I was really, I was always good at making money, but I had left the management of that up to my husband. So I was now in a position where I needed to, you know, put my learning hat on. So I took a class for you, Dave Ramsey fans out there. It was a precursor to his Financial Peace University. Oh, I'm sorry. They're literally like, a, a grass blower just started. <laughs> I'm in my backyard. That's the beauty of getting to work from wherever you want to work from. Um, so anyway, I got really clear on what my money was doing and I got, I started learning and I, I'm fascinated with investing in general. Um, and I also lost 300 grand just like that in 2008 when the crash happened. Right. And I was pissed. I was so mad. I had two financial advisors, by the way, that were, I was working with at that time. I had over a million in my retirement accounts, but that didn't matter because the crash happened. Anyone lost. Right. And so I read this book in 2008 that Tony Robbins, um, wrote, it's called money master the game. And he started talking about this concept of, um, being your own bank. Uh, infinite banking. And I got really intrigued by that. My corporate job had never told me anything about this. It's not their fault. Mm-hmm. It's just not offered. Right. Um, and so I became a student of that, but you know what? I want to tell you something. Don't do what I did because I read this book. I remember reading this book and like highlighting everything and saying, I need to find somebody that can help me do that. And then I didn't do it. <laughs> you know. And then And then fast forward to 2018, I attended a wealth building class. Um, I was looking to open a franchise in something. I was looking in at Amazing Lash Studios. I looked at Subway. I looked at several, I mean, all over the shop. I just wanted something that I could own that was passive, right? A business. And I attended this wealth building class and it's a franchise in wealth building. And that's where I started. So that's really where the journey began. And, um, and then it's just kind of built from there. Okay. So I have a question. Why do you think 
so many people hear what they should do because money the master game master the game first off great book i would suggest listening to the audio it's not super dense it's not unreadable but the audio was was good so many people have read that book but yet so few people do anything that is mentioned there or really even anything sometimes their financial planners tell them things right um and they don't do it so why do you think that is what do you think stops people i think it's approval addiction i i'm a i became a certified approval addiction coach uh, last year and so just just picture this you learn something new when it comes to money which by the way remember most people like talking about money is taboo and yet it's the number one cause of divorce in our country how crazy is that um but think about it you learn something new when it comes to wealth building you um you think that sounds interesting i need to learn more and then you talk to your your friend in the cubicle next to you or your neighbor who knows nothing about wealth building and you and they say that sounds too good to be true and then you you get you feel rejected so you're like yeah that's probably too good to be true and you and you stop <laughs> you know i mean that's my opinion i think that's why 90% of the people in our world are living paycheck to paycheck. That's, I mean, I think that is a pretty good explanation. I mean, how many people, it, it's funny to me watching the crypto space, whether you're in crypto or not in crypto, so many people over the last year were like, oh my goodness, you got to put money in, you got to put money in, you got to put money in. Well, of course, because it's a hot market, right? But so you listen to them because you have the dream of like, oh, I'm going to make a gazillion dollars. But then the minute somebody says, oh, that's a bad idea we immediately take it at face value as well. Well, they said it wasn't a good idea. Neither people really know what they're talking about. They've heard something from somebody. I think um, the, the phrase that comes to mind for me is nothing is more expensive than free advice. I don't know if, uh, if you've ever heard that one, Lisa. Sorry, I'm moving because there's a grass blower oh, in my backyard. <laughs> You're okay. Oh my gosh. I so agree with you. So let's, let's think about the concept of crypto though. Okay. So what do, what do most people do? They, they just, they hear something and they think, oh, I got to do that. But what do they not do? They don't educate themselves first. Right. So what, when you don't educate yourself about what you're doing, you're going to get in the same trap that everybody gets into. Right. Just um, I that's why I'm a wealth educator. You know, I, I teach what I what I what I'm doing, because if you don't if you don't understand it, I mean, imagine if every family really understood how money works. You know, they they actually arm their children with this knowledge around how money works. We could, we could create change in the, in the matter of a generation. And, you know, it's funny, by the way. The concept of be your own banker or infinite banking, for example, it's been around for like since the 40s. And if you, um, this is what resonates with me when I first started learning about it. So public companies, their assets are public knowledge. You can, you can request from G, you know, GE when it was around, you know what I'm saying? You can look at, okay, this public company, this is where their assets lie right? And if you look at their asset allocation, 
the majority, like we're talking, let's say, let's, let's compare real estate to insurance. Real, their insurance holdings are 20 times real estate. And yet everybody talks about, oh, real estate, that's the way to wealth build, you know? Um, so, I mean, all I do really is I have learned to build my wealth where the banks build their wealth, where all the Fortune 500 companies build their wealth. And guess what? This is the thing, Steve. Anyone can do it. I just helped a single mom, you know, last week who could save 50 bucks a month, do it the same way that the business owner who cashed out of his, his business and has $4 million to invest. You know what I mean? It, so, but it's just a matter of learning a new skill. It's learning a new muscle. Hey, thanks for taking a moment to check out this episode of Grow Your Impact, Income, and Influence, the number one show helping you reach millions. Have you ever thought about building your own webinar or using public speaking to reach your ideal audience? Well, if you'd like my help with it, over the last several years, I have built more than 40 live events for clients just like you. In the last 18 months, I've helped 32 entrepreneurs build their webinar with over $5 million in cumulative sales. If you'd like to see how I can work with you, or if you'd be interested in having me speak at your event or be on your podcast, go to steven.coffee, that's S-T-E-V-E-N.C-O-F-F-E-E, -E -E, to book a short call with me and see how we can work together. All right, let's jump back to the episode. So talk to us a little bit about what that looks like. Like I want to like infinite investing. That is a interesting term. Talk to us a little bit because I think two things are at play here. The first one is money is like, it's the word that causes the most stress for people, right? Whether you have a lot of money or you have a little bit of money, when people say, how much money do you make or how much money do you have? Everybody immediately gets tense right? There's a lot of tension around that word, which I think needs to go away. I think people need to be much more open about money. If you have a better relationship with money, you'll have a lot easier time with it. So I think the first thing that comes into play is like people are stressed about it. And that includes learning about it. They don't want to learn about anything because, oh, that's stressful. Oh, I don't know. I, I was talking to somebody here that said that they, they would rather work because I said, well, you could just invest some money. You could just save some money. Like there are things that you could do. No, no. I would rather work an extra 20 hours a week so that I don't have to worry about it. I'll pay late fees. I'll deal with all of that stuff because I would rather do that than have an account, like have a bank account. Like unbelievable. The yeah. But people look at that because it's easier to do what they know than to learn about what they don't know. So go ahead, educate us just a little bit. Let's so not go too deep. I would but, say, first of all, think about um, anytime you've learned something new, what, what profession you're in today. At one point you started and you didn't know much, right? Do you remember, I'm 51, so you may, you're younger than me, Steve, but for those of you that remember when we actually used to walk into a bank and, and maybe you had your kid with you and they would always give my son a sucker. And the sucker was called a gum dum. Banks are literally telling you exactly. <laughs> He's holding one. This, this story, there is a great book that I, I want you to write down. It's called How Many Works Don't Be a Sucker. One of my business partners that I'm blessed to work with, Steve, Steve, Steve Siebold is his name. He wrote this book and he gives this, he tells this story because 
The reality is my friends, by, by continuing to remain ignorant and put your head in the sand, by the way, more families put more time into planning their vacation than they do their financial future. Um, but imagine if you just allocated, I have something that I do with my tribe where we have a money ritual. We have a monthly money ritual and we just carve out some time. We make it pleasurable, um, you know, maybe grab a latte or, you know, a glass of wine if it's the end of the day and, you know, actually have a meeting with yourself about money. What was coming in that month? What went out? It is, you know, is there more month at the end of my money? Right. And, and what did I learn about money um, and my relationship with money this, this, this month? Because the reality is that the banks and the financial institutions, it serves them to keep us dumb. You know, it serves them for us to get 0.01% rate of return, <laughs> you know, whereas they're, they're getting, you know, 18, 24%, right? So I guess the question is really, does it make sense to own your power with money instead of give, give that control to someone else, right? Does it make sense to, for example, just to give you an idea, if you decide to embrace the idea of learning a new skill and consider the concept of infinite banking, you will not have to worry about what taxes are doing in the future because you're going to retire tax-free. That's just an example of infinite banking because that asset is building tax-free. That gets, that's pretty sexy to me. I don't like paying taxes. <laughs> well, okay. So I can hear like some people's voices out there. The first thing that I hear is if it was, if that was real, everybody would be doing it. So why have more people not heard about it? Um, because they, we certainly don't teach it in our schools, although we're trying to get it. Get, imagine if I want to give you a, a dream. This is one of my dreams. Um, I want to, I picture a world where every family understands what it takes to retire comfortably instead of working at McDonald's when they're retired, nothing wrong with that, but you know, I don't think they're doing it because they want to, it's because they have to, right? Imagine a world where every high school graduate actually knew how money works. And, um, the reason that people don't do it, first of all, we're not taught, um, we're broken as a society when it comes to debt. They've printed 30% of the money in circulation in the last two years. Our debt crisis is at an all-time high. Student loan debt, just for an example, $1.7 The Department of Ed's basically become the largest lender. And how many people do you know, Steve, that have hundred grand in student loan debt and yet they are doing nothing in the, the degree that they got they're not even probably earning 50K, you know, there's no chance they're ever going to pay it back. But, you know, this is, this is actually a great example of one of the things that I do. So sometimes because we, our country is in debt, before you can help someone build wealth, you have to help them with their debt crisis, right? So one of the companies I work with is a student loan forgiveness program. Um, so many people, again, don't understand after the financial services crash, there were better, better things that were developed because the consumer were screwed. You know, you remember you, you'd hear on the news, like all these big companies getting bailed out, you know, it's happening again with COVID, right? 
Um, and yet families were losing their jobs. They were losing their homes. And yet programs started then. The pay-as-you-earn program with the forgiveness program started around after that time as well. So many people don't take advantage of it. Um, the people that I work with end up paying back maybe 20 to 30% of what they owe. The rest is completely forgiven. It doesn't harm their credit. Um, you know, and imagine the, 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 the relief that those families have when that burden is lifted and how much they can focus now on their wealth building because they're no longer, you know, required to pay this debt. Right. So that's an example. I mean, I think people like, think about it, corporate America, all they offer you is a 401k. It should be called a 201k, you know? I mean, do you think there's something coming in the market? We've been going up like this for 14 years. Well, something that's the... coming. And guess what? Another really fabulous thing about infinite banking is you are guaranteed never, ever, ever, ever to lose. Imagine how much more wealth there would be in the world if 2008 hadn't happened. So what? So I want you to explain that because I think a lot of people, if it's too good to be true, then it's it's not true, right? So explain how you could never lose. How did? How would that yeah. work? It's because they use something called an indexing strategy. I teach the principles that Warren Buffett teaches. And by the way, it, you can Google, Google this, um, Warren Buffett's bet with hedge fund managers. This was a bet that he um, placed with some of the largest hedge fund managers in 2007. He bet that his indexing strategy would beat their hedge fund rate of return over a 10 year period. If he won, they had to pay his charity a million dollars if, if they won vice versa, right? Well, in 2017, he won and he's won ever since. So what indexing does, it's very simple. There's really only three, three ways to invest. There's fixed, this is like CDs, bonds, you know, you're gonna get steady return, not gonna make a lot, right? Most people, the way they invest is variable. It's in the market. It's a roller coaster, right? You know, um, but indexing is the third way. And instead of, you know, instead of the roller coaster of the market, all indexing does is it mirrors the market, but it's not in the market. So when the market goes up, the consumer wins. When the market goes down, they go sideways. So it's a staircase investment approach. And imagine the power of never losing. Now, people ask, how is that possible? Why, how can you possibly say that that there's guaranteed no loss because the strategy that insurance companies do. Now, this is, by the way, if, if you didn't catch it, this is called private placement life insurance. That's the concept. And it's been around for, you know, decades, right? Um, but the concept is that picture yourself, you're going to um, save $100 a month for the rest of your life, for, for the rest of your, you know, retirement savings, Okay. And, you know, the insurance company, basically they have, they know now, man, I'm going to get a hundred bucks a month for the next 20 or 30 years from Steve. So what they do is they take a portion of that hundred dollars and they put it somewhere very, very safe. Um, there is guaranteed no loss, but then the rest of it, they take and they invest it everywhere. You know, these insurance companies, they are, they are highly speculative. They're making probably 25, 30% return. They can, they can afford to guarantee us no loss. Does that make sense? 
And, and, you know, another thing I love about, about numbers and wealth building is there's a lot of data that, that backs these things up. Like numbers don't lie and history repeats itself. And so there's a lot of data. And when you compare, um, this is getting a little technical, but I get excited. You can tell when you compare the market, the S&P 500 and indexing, the market over the last 20 years has done 5.52% overall. Indexing strategy has done 8.2. I mean, how much more wealth would you have? Okay, so let's... So I have a few questions and we'll, yeah. I want to stay, I don't want to go too, too deep. Into I know this. we're getting kind In, of technical people indexing. just schedule time with me, friends, <laughs> come to one of my classes. They're free. So indexing is not the same as index funds. No, you're talking, um, well, I mean, in a sense, index funds, really the only difference there is it's a, it's a accumulation of, of, of big group of funds, you know? Um, but in some ways, kind of similar, you know, parallels. There's there's similarities to it. Well, yeah. We're getting a little technical, though. <laughs> well, I think a lot of people have just been told, go to Vanguard, get an index fund, put, you yeah. know, $200 a month in. Don't try to time it. Just put whatever you can in every month. I want to, we will stay out of this. If you guys find this interesting and you're like, please just help me. Lisa's scheduling link is in the show notes. Click on it. You will get a free call with her. She also does free classes all the time. I want to go back to kind of the mindset thing. Yeah. What do you think? Because this is, I, I was one of the few people I know that in college, I put back money into, at the time, I bought some CDs. I had real estate towards the end of college. I bought some investment property, but I, I actually saved money. And mm-hmm. A lot of my friends were like, how in the, like, what are you talking about saving money? Like we barely have money for beer or like, we barely have money to go out. And like, I didn't have, until I started my business, I didn't have money either. Like I worked waiting tables and bartending. I didn't have like crazy amounts of money, but I was raised. My parents always raised me. We went to the bank on Friday and I put 10% in long-term savings. 10% went to the church and like the rest was mine. And I just stuck to that. I stuck to that in high school when I had a job, but the, this isn't about me. There were, I guess there were probably some times that I missed. I know there were times that I didn't have a ton of money, but my question is, what is the, what do you think the mindset piece is that stops people from saving or investing? What do you think besides just not knowing what have you seen? Well, I mean, think about it when you, when bottom line, you can either make more or spend less. So some people simply need to make more. And if, if you're that person out there, let's make sure we connect. Cause I'm looking for franchise owners to join, join us in this mission. Right. Um, however, the biggest thing I see is that people don't manage what their, their money, they're not giving their money a job. I, I, I give the example of my teenager. If I don't give Connor purpose, he gets in troubles and, and any parent can resonate with that, right? So think about think about the typical person. Um, date, I call I call it day-to-day mindset versus wealth builder mindset. So day-to-day mindset, there's a long line of people at your front door. And the first person that's at the door is your rent or your mortgage. Then it's your car payment. Then it's your phone bill. There's this long line of people you pay first. 
what the wealthy do that the last person in the day-to-day mindset is your, your savings. But what the wealthy do is they pay that person first by saving. It's as simple as that. And it's no different than, you know, imagine Steve, if you, you have a walk that you do every single morning, I know this, and you have a Mm -hmm. routine. Imagine if you just walked outside, but then you walked right back inside. You like started your walk, but then you didn't actually do it. You know, imagine someone going to the gym and just kind of walking around, but not working out, you know? I mean, people, again, it it goes to a matter of habit. If you're not in the habit of saving and you never start that habit and you don't follow through with that habit, you're going to, you're going to be in the same position that so many families are, which is there is not enough, there's not enough money, you know, to live comfortably. And it's a choice that they're making, right? Um, Do I go out and, and, you know, we live in a society of just in time, self-soothing, right? It's not, it's, it's just, it's not serving us as a society. It really is making us um, really just impoverished in so many more ways than just money. Well, I want to, I want to keep like hammering this point home because I've heard so many people say, I just don't have. I don't have an extra hundred dollars a month or I don't have an extra $200 a month to invest. And they don't, I think the real thing that they don't see, I would love your thoughts on this is they don't see the return on it within the next six months or even a year, right? They see it as, they see it as I'm putting $200 a month away. And like, I never am going to see that money. So why would I do that? Like, I don't really have the money. So many people say, I don't have the money. I just don't have, geez, my phone yeah. is going nuts. And, I, and I, I hear that all the time. And I, I say, my question to you is, is, are you okay with that? And if, if you look ahead 12 months from now and you haven't done anything to change that, are you going to find happiness in your life? And most people, they don't have a plan, but guess what? The reality is there is so much out there that you can absorb to make your life different. That's free. It doesn't cost anything. And it's called knowledge and learning from others and building a mindset of abundance versus lack. Uh, One of my mentors is Sharon Lecter. She's considered, you know, one of the most, you know, experienced and successful women when it comes to the cash flow quadrant. She wrote rich dad, poor dad with Robert Kiyosaki. And she talks about, you know, are, do you have income producing assets or are you just continuing to trade your time for money? And if you are, there's nothing wrong with that, but make sure that wouldn't it make sense to have a backup income or a side gig? You know, we mm-hmm. all have a spare tire, right? <laughs> Shouldn't we all imagine like what it would have been like, Steve, if the, when the COVID crisis hit, we were, we're, we're a country of entrepreneurs and we all have our own economy, our own business that we have another income that we're re- we're not relying on just one, right? Imagine what that would have been like. So I just, I love the idea. That's a big part of wealth building is look at my assets. If I'm not here working, am I producing income? And if that's not the case, then start exploring ways to do that. 
Awesome. I think that's, I think that is, you should be exploring ways. Take some time, shut off the TV, learn how you can either make some extra income or invest some of the money that you do have. Lisa, talk to us a little bit about where people, like if they go to book a call with you, what are they going to get? Talk to us a little bit about your mastermind. And then you also have a book coming out. Yes. Let us know a little bit about that. So we have a one a wonderful community. You can um, you can come and be part of. We have uh, well our wealth minded mastermind. Steve's been a guest on. We meet uh, the first and third Friday of the month. That is for people looking to build their wealth builder mindset and learn about ways to invest. It is free. However, we are donation based. We support an incredible ministry that I am is very near and dear to my heart called Fearless Women. We also have complimentary financial education classes every Saturday. I have so many different books and videos. You can tune in to our, um, you know, our tribe. There's so many ways. You can find me at lisawilliamsco.com. And um, I will make sure that you get the link to book time with me as well. You asked uh, asked about our book. This isn't part of my business, but it is definitely a part of my life journey. And that is, uh, it's called Conversation with an Angel. And it was um, written by myself and my best friend. She has actually passed away. So I've been writing it with her um, vicariously. And it's uh, it's about our friendship. It's about the relationship that I have with my Heavenly Father and the journey of discovery of of faith in a lot of ways. I, you know, I look at life through the lens of Jesus, um, whatever life, whatever lens that you look at life through, I hope it's a lens that believes there's a, there's a bigger power out there that has a good plan for your life. And maybe there's more that you're meant to be doing with your life. And that's, that's the road that, you know, I found myself on and, and pivoted when I started my entrepreneurial journey. So um, the hope in the book is that people will start to wonder, like, what is real? You know, does it make sense to discover more? And is there more in my life that I'm supposed to be doing that could enable me to live more abundantly? Well, I think that to kind of bring this full circle, like everybody has a tipping point at some point in their life when they're given a choice to make a decision. We all have multiple of those throughout our entire life. But one of the big ones for you is when you were called into that meeting and you decided to leave your job led to where you are now. The book from what you were explaining to me before we got on is all about having that moment and finding that moment. And if you're listening to this podcast, we've covered a lot of different information. Reach out to Lisa because she can help you find that moment financially, which will turn you around and help you so that you can retire or so that you can have some passive income so that you feel financially free because nothing is worse than coming home after working a whole bunch, right? Working a 40, 50, 60 an hour a week job and not having enough money at the end of the month. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Lisa, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of this knowledge with us. Um, It's always great to talk to you. I love you, Steve. Thank you for having me. No problem. It is my pleasure to everybody else out there till next time, take action, change lives and make money. We'll see you soon. Thanks for checking out today's show. Do you want the fast and easy cliff notes version of the actionable steps from today's episode? If so, go to actionbullets.com and download yours today.
Also, if you're looking to start using story selling in your business and have stories do 90% of the hard work for you, grab my free course at storyselling.how today. Till next time, take action, change lives, and make money. We'll see you soon.